You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. God bless you. you. May be seated. Our ushers are going to come and they are going to wait on us tonight for our offering. Amen. And as our ushers come, I wanted to say thank you again to all those faithful in giving here at CTK. Amen. Don't forget missions giving for those that make monthly missions pledge commitments. Thank you for keeping that up. And uh, if you have it, I'd encourage you to give beyond your regular giving, just uh, to give to missions. Amen. God's doing great things. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving here. How many know you cannot outgive the Lord? Amen. Amen. It's almost every week that somebody here in the church just says, hey, pastor, God's doing this or God's doing that. He spoke to me about giving this and he's, he's already making a way. So I know God is faithful and God confirms his word. That has nothing to do with me and that has nothing to do with you. But has everything to do with God confirming His Word and the principles of God work. Amen tonight. Amen. It's good to have Cade Wilson here tonight all the way from Texas. Give him a great big hand. Glad to have him here tonight. Amen. And uh, he, he came all the way up here just to see me. I'm so happy. To... He's here studying at UGST, but... I think, I think this is officially my first time to meet you. I probably met you when you were a child and didn't know it, but our families go way, way back. And uh, my great-grandfather pioneered a church in a little town in Indiana, and his grandfather came along and pastored there for 40 years, I think it was, after that. And so the young family and the Romine family goes way, way back, dear, dear people. And it just tops in our book. So it's great to meet him. Glad to have him here tonight. We're going to dismiss our children and our youth class this evening. Amen. And let them go. And I'm going to direct your attention to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 14. 1 Samuel, chapter number 14. And if you'd stand together with me, I want to go to the word of the Lord for the reading of the word. And uh, we're going to continue, if we can, here tonight, a uh, series that I started last time that I was with you on midweek. So about four weeks ago, I preached a message, and I told you that it may be the beginning of a series, and indeed it is. And, and this, this summer, we're taking our summers and uh, just having church, just having uh, a regular service here, if you will, preaching inspiration. And I'm going to share with you something that the Lord laid on my heart. I'll never forget uh, that, that day I was here praying and the Lord began to speak some things to me and confirm some things. I thought it had been for me. I had written it down in my journal in January and I thought it was just for me, but the Lord really laid it on my heart and I feel led to preach it to you here as well. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 14. And this is a a passage of Scripture that is probably one of the most familiar passages of Scripture for me. I preach this passage of Scripture probably more than any else. It was my favorite when I was a young evangelist, fresh out of Bible college. And it's the story of the children of Israel under siege. They are under attack by the Philistines 
Saul is the king at the time. And Jonathan, his son, is there with him. And it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. The context for this is Saul and the armies of Israel are literally in hiding. And Jonathan gets tired, and finally he tells his armor bearer, let us go over and fight. And Saul tarried in the uttermost parts. We can read through that in verse 4. In between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side, a sharp rock on the other side. The name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sina. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Mismatch, and, and the other southward over against Gabeah. So basically, it's setting this up. This is an impossible situation. There's no way that there's an escape. Once you commit to approaching the enemy from this direction, there is no turning back. Once you commit to the offense of going after the enemy of God, there was no escape. The only thing that you could do was fight with your life. And, and as they went on, it says, and Jonathan said to the armor bearer, the, man, the young man that bears armor, come and let us go under the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint. I love this. I love this declaration. Yeah. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Tonight, I want to take my text from verse 7. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. And everybody said amen. 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 So I preached four weeks ago on transformational behaviors and the power of a blessing tongue. Because there are things that we can catch and we can get in our spirit and we can get in our mind. And it will change our life. And tonight I want to preach to you, if I can, something else that was burning me as a young man and continually uh, is revisited. And I feel impressed with the Lord to share this tonight. And that is the power of a yes spirit. The power of a yes spirit. Turn to somebody and tell them, you need to get a yes. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to help you preach for the next at least 20 minutes. Praise God. That was a good place to say yes. How many help me preach for the next 30 minutes? See, see, you're catching on now. How many help me preach for the next 40 minutes? It's getting stronger every time. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this wonderful church, and I thank you for everybody that's made their way out to the house of the Lord. And I ask now, Lord, that your spirit would be with us tonight and that you would preach to us, that you would speak to us. Let your Holy Ghost have your way, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. 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 You could be seated tonight in the name of the Lord. Amen. That's right, Eli. Amen. I heard that. You need a yes spirit. A yes spirit. Getting a yes in your spirit is the quickest way 
for us to get to personal growth, personal revival, where God wants us to be. And the opposite of having a yes spirit would be having a contrary spirit. A, if you will allow me to use the word perverse spirit. And the Bible uses this this word. We don't use it as much today. We would probably use the word contrary before we would use the word perverse in, in our everyday language. But the Bible uses this word perverse. Perverse. Not pervert. That's different. A, 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 uh, an immoral thing. But the word perverse literally means dictionary.com tells us willfully determined or disposed to go counter to what is expected or desired contrary. To be willfully disposed that I'm going to be contrary to whatever is expected or whatever is desired. Now, probably every one of us in here at some point in our life would admit and acknowledge that we have been guilty of possessing a perverse or contrary disposition. Somebody tells you to do one thing, and just because you don't want them telling you what to do, right, you have to do the opposite. When the opposite wasn't even in your think tank of wanting to do it, you had no desire to do the opposite until somebody says, do this, and now your desire is to do the opposite. I won't, I won't belabor the point and stay here too long, linger too long, but in relationships, you can fill in the blank or put in whatever it is, whether it's parent, child, husband, wife, or whatever it is. But in relationships, when we get offended and we get upset, our natural reaction is we have a contrary or perverse spirit. And we're going to do something other just despite the other person. It's human nature. It's in our DNA. It is, it is natural. Everybody would admit, right? Somewhere along the line, you've been guilty. I have been guilty, both hands raised, of doing that. Just out of contrariness. The Bible talks about this. If you would look at the word perverse, you could, you could do your own word study. But I'll bring up just a few verses of Scripture. And it's interesting that this word appears more in the book of Proverbs than any other book in the Bible collectively. The book of Proverbs speaks about the perverse spirit. Look in Proverbs chapter number 4, where he's making an admonishment, and he says, to keep thy heart, everybody say heart, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now note, he's not talking here about your hands or your feet or your doing, but he is talking about your heart, the essence 
of who you are as a being, the seat of your emotions, the heart. Sometimes in the Old Testament, the heart and the mind are used interchangeably. But who you are as a person, out of it flow the issues of life. It is not, it is not your looks. It is not your stature. It's not that that tells us what type of disposition you are. Uh, but it is what is in the heart that comes out. It is the heart that determines the words that your mouth speak. It is the heart that determines the spirit which with you respond. It is the heart that determines your body language. It is the heart that determines your actions, your reactions. And so he's talking here about the heart, and tied to that, he then goes to the mouth, and he says, put away from thee a forward mouth, in verse number 24, and he says, and perverse lips put far from thee. He's not talking here about uh, pervert, perverted lips, that which is immoral. He's talking about that which is just contrary. Those that the first thing you do, you speak something that is contrary. And he lets us know as a warning that this is something that comes out of your heart. And it's something that you have to keep with all diligence. That lets me know that this isn't just something that I deal with or just something that, uh, uh, I don't know who can I pick on tonight uh, that deals with. But this is some, Brother Killian, thank you for smiling. But this is something that, <laughs> that all of us in here deal with because it's the issues of our heart. Go with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter number 12 and verse number 8. And he lets us know, a man shall be commanded, a commended rather, a man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. He makes, he makes the, the, uh, 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 the opposite comparison, one who is who is wise is going to commit, be commended uh, for that wisdom, one who has a perverse spirit or a perverse heart. There is going to be a despising, a frustration. Anybody ever dealt with things and you just wonder, like, why can't we just get along? Why can't we just all do this together? Why do you have to be contrary all the time? Proverbs 28 and verse 18, look at what he says. Here now he gives us a warning. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. Praise God. Somebody say praise God. Amen. When you do right, when you do uprightly, when you are diligent, when you work, you're going to be saved. Now, not only is he speaking about salvation in this life, spiritually, eternal salvation, but you're also going to be saved from a lot of other grief in life if you just live uprightly. There is a blessing. How many know there is a blessing that comes from doing right and living right? Amen. You're saved from heartache and grief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Practically, I don't live with hangovers. Right? right. I, I don't have to live with the overwhelming power of addictions in our life because I learned to keep God first. It saves me from so much grief. 
<laughs> Think about this one. When I lay my head on the pillow at night, there's a peace there because I know that God is in control, that there are things that are beyond my control, and if I die or if I wake, the Lord is to be praised and everything's going to be all right. I am saved from the grief and the worry and the fear and the despair. Oh, I don't know if I have any help on this Wednesday night. I am saved, amen, because I walk upright. But look at what he says. But he that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. Amen. So here's a warning. Don't be contrary. What does it mean to be perverse? It means to have a willful disposition that goes against what is expected or desired. And this is exactly the disposition that the children of Israel too often would have happen. They would do only uh, what they wanted to do, and they wanted the blessings of God but they were not going to follow after his commands, and they were not going to follow after his ways. And so they did, just like the proverb says, they fell at once. I'm here to preach to you tonight that it is critical, it is imperative, it is important that in our walk with God, we get a yes in our spirit. That ought to start, amen, in the house of God. A yes in our spirit. That ought to start with the things of God. A yes in our spirit. That ought to start with the commands of God. A yes in our spirit. I need to have a yes in my spirit. A yes to God's purpose, God's visions, and God's dreams for my life. Not only for my life, for my family. Not only for my family, but for those that are around me the local church, I could extend it to the local congregation, the body of Christ that he has placed me in. I need to get a yes in my spirit. I need to get a yes in my spirit to the calling that God has for my life. The calling that God has in my life. And I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about you. You need to get a yes in your spirit for the calling that God has in your life. Don't resist the call that God puts on your life. Don't resist the burdens that God puts in your life. Learn to get a yes in your spirit. It'll make a whole lot easier life a whole lot easier. If you don't believe me, just go ask Jonah. God has a way of getting his way. I'm trying to help somebody tonight. This is very practical. Is this all right? This is very practical. Don't be contrary. Get a yes in your spirit. God calls you, learn to say yes. You run from the call of God in your life, you will be frustrated. You will fall. Your life will collapse. What God speaks to you, what God calls for you, what God has for you to do. Anybody ever been woke up in the middle of the night because you haven't fulfilled something God spoke to you to do? And before you came back to church or before you went on, you had to set out and you had to do what God told you to do. You had to go talk to that person. You had to witness to that person. You had to say something. 
You've got to get a yes in your spirit. Not only a yes for the call of God in your life, but a yes for the purpose and a yes for the vision that is in your life. You need to get a yes in your spirit when conviction comes. When the Holy Ghost convicts you, you need to get a yes in your spirit. So when God convicts you, what is conviction? Well, conviction is when the Spirit of the Lord comes and talks to you about things that you ought not do because it is making you vulnerable to a temptation. It's making you vulnerable to a certain thing. And the Spirit is prompting you. That, that conviction may come through the Word of God. You may feel conviction. You may feel the Word of the Lord. Uh, uh, has God ever told you no? You may be in the middle of something and that conviction manifests in the form of you feel like God is saying, no, you shouldn't do this. That conviction may come in the form of you're just going about your business doing something that you always did, but all of a sudden now it doesn't feel right anymore because the Holy Ghost is in your life, the Lord is in your life, and now there's a discontent and a discomfort in doing the things that you did before. Can I get a witness in the house? Anybody remember when convictions come in your life? You give your life to God, and, and uh, if the Lord is not still convicting you at times, you ought to check yourself and make sure, God, are you still dealing with me? Because I've been living for God a long time now, and the Holy Ghost still will convict my life. Convict my life about my priorities and the things that I do. Now, I don't watch and listen and talk and, and partake in, 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 in filthy stuff and, and bad stuff, but sometimes you're listening to stuff and God can talk to you and say, hey, you know what, you're listening to that. Maybe it's not even what you're listening to that is bad, but maybe it's that you're listening to that or involving yourself with that too much. And you're doing that at the cost of your personal relationship with God. The conviction that comes in your life. And God may, God may come and tell you no about something because you, you have a tendency, you personally, or me personally has a tendency or a vulnerability to, to do something and to put that above God. And God may come down and convict us and say, you know what, you need to reel back on this. And you need, you need to put this, put this to the side here. And you need to put God first. You need to keep the things of God first. You ought to get a yes in your spirit when the Holy Ghost comes and convicts you, you ought to be, yes, Lord. I know it hurts. I know sometimes, oh, this is painful. Oh, Lord, here we go again. God, you're, you're talking to me and you're dealing with it. But yes, Lord, because I know that your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are above my thoughts, but I know that they are superior and you reign supreme. And I know that you have what's best for me and mine. And so I'm going to say yes to you. And, and if you're asking me to give it up, I've learned a long time ago, he will never ask something from you that he won't replace with something better later on. Amen. 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 Yes. Hallelujah. And you can get a contrary spirit where God says no, and all of a sudden you dig in your heels. Uh-uh, God. You live a life trying to justify why you're living your life that way. Now, I know our young people aren't in here, but I could go back to things where I, I've seen it, where I, I, I had to learn this lesson in my life where I had to submit fully to God and the conviction of the Lord comes and you've got to have a yes in your spirit. I know what it's like and, 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 and this type of pastoring probably isn't as acceptable uh, in, in, in our common Christianity maybe as it used to be, but I know what it's like to have my pastor look at me and tell me no when I'm coming with a life-altering decision that I feel led to do 
But because he was the man of God in my life, it wasn't about him as the person who he was, but the office. It was about God putting, putting a, 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 a guardrail, if you will, in my life to put direction in my life that when I justified things in my own in error, uh, or my own uh, error, uh, there was a voice of God that would say, no, this isn't going to right. This, is gonna de- this decision is going to derail your life. And I had already learned that I've got to say yes. Now, I played, I played mind games with myself and I played mind games with God, but if you will get a yes in your spirit and say, okay, God, well, maybe you'll work this out later on. You're going to bring this about. But you'll just surrender and say yes to God. I'm going to tell you, it will help you. Get a yes in your spirit. The next thing I can say, not only say yes to conviction, but we've got to say yes to correction. Because the Word of God corrects us. The Spirit of God corrects us, and we've got to learn to say yes. Okay, so I've been doing things for... You come to God, well, God, this is the way I've been doing it for 40 years. That is not a valid excuse. That is not a valid argument before God. Because God may say, well, yeah, it's taken me 40 years to be able to get to this point with you. Ouch. Okay, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. And you know what? There's something refreshing when you say yes. Even after you live for God for decades, been filled with the Spirit, and the Lord speaks to you or shows to you something that you haven't been doing or that you need to do, and you say yes to the Lord, that's liberating. There's something powerful there because now you are growing to a new level in Christ that you have never been to before. I'm going to tell you, living for God is not boring. You live for God 40, you live for God 50, you live for God 60, 70 years, and God never stops working. And you never get to the place to where you've arrived. Praise God. It never gets boring. There's always something more for God to show you. There's always something for God to teach you. There's always something for me to learn. There's always something. There's always a new anointing and a new place for God to take me in my spirit. If I will get a yes in my spirit. If we are going to have a personal growth culture. This is personal. Individual growth culture. We must be quick to say yes to the Lord. If we are going to have a church growth culture, our church, if this church is going to grow, we must have a yes in our spirit and not be contrary. And I'll prove it to you. I'll walk you through the scripture. But first, let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 14. I preached this passage, 1 Samuel chapter 14. It jumped off the page. It arrested me when I was a young person. And man, it got a hold of me. It was in my spirit. And I would preach this as much as the Lord would allow me and lead me. Every church that I would go to as a young evangelist, doing revivals, one of my most favorite places to go. And I'd preach the whole passage, the context, the setting, the whole thing. There's so many valid points, so many awesome things. And I may even come back next week and referred to another part of it. But the only part I want to talk about this week is verse 7. It's an incredible story. The children of God are besieged. They're, they're in hiding. Saul, just allow me quickly, Saul the king is with the army in hiding. 
That's how bad things are. And while he's there, his son by the name of Jonathan is there. We know, we know Jonathan is the one who is the friend of David, who blesses David. Jonathan himself has, somewhere along the line, has some kind of a personal conversion experience. Saul, if you look in the Old Testament, Saul, King Saul, even though he was anointed of God and he was of the tribe of Benjamin, Saul chose to name his children after the gods of the pagans, after idols. Saul names his sons after idols. Jonathan does the same. He comes on, and, but somewhere along the line, Jonathan has a conversion experience, and, and he acknowledges that God has now anointed David. David is the next to being king, and Jonathan seeks to save David's life, spares David's life even from his own father. So it's an incredible thing. It has powerful ramifications in context. And here Jonathan is frustrated because they're hiding. Here the children of Israel are supposed to serve the Almighty God. God Almighty. God without beginning, without ending. And, 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 and instead they are afraid and they are in fear. And so Jonathan says to the armor bearer, he says, hey, let you and I go over and fight the Philistines. Because when the whole army is afraid, there's nothing like two people saying, yeah, we can do it. It's absolutely absurd. It's, 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 it's in the human perspective, it, it seems ludicrous for Jonathan to say, let's go over and fight. I love his statement. I may talk about this next week a little bit. He says, it may be the Lord will work for us. God can save by many or God can save by few. What Jonathan was acknowledging in that statement is this is not about the size of the enemy and this is not about the size of us. This is about the size of our God. And God is way bigger than we could think. And so God can save with one or God can save with a whole army. It does not matter. Up to God. And so Jonathan, by this determination, is literally choosing probably the hardest decision in his life, to align with God at, at the uh, offense of his father. He is, he's not telling his father he's leaving, but in his personal life, he is walking away from the path that his father is taking. I'm, I'm not following after this, and we're going to go over, we're, we're going to serve the Lord. He doesn't have a, uh, uh, he doesn't have a, a uh, absolute promise that he's not going to die in this, but he's aligning himself with the Lord. And he says, God, God can save by few or God can save by many. And the powerful thing of what happens in this story is, is the armor bearer is there, the young man. And, and note that it is a young man. And he, he looks at Jonathan and he does not say, man, you're crazy. He says... Quickly, there's no dialogue. If we're reading this right, there's no debate. There's no rationale. Quickly, the armor bearer says, I'm with you. Let's go. And the armor bearer has a yes in his spirit. He's just an armor bearer. But the Bible tells us in that impossible situation that Jonathan goes up, he's got the sword, the armor bearer's got the shield, 
and they go up arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, and they're climbing up, and all of a sudden the Philistines see them, the Philistines start mocking them and making fun of them, start hurling rocks down on them, just trying to provoke them, and they come up there, and these two men, the Bible said they stood shoulder to shoulder, here they are, they are fighting, and they began to fight. The Philistines realized, wow, these crazy guys are actually serious, and when they engaged God began to do a work and there was an earthquake and they slew them and the Philistines took off running and Saul's in hiding and he can't figure out what happened. And the moral of the story is there was somebody that had a yes in their spirit. Somebody woke up and says, you know what? I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of the fear. I'm tired of the despair. I'm tired of the discouragement and I'm going to align myself with God and somebody else said yes. Somebody was quick to say yes. I wonder what could happen today in this world if the church would purge itself of a contrary spirit. Oh, if we could just get the contrariness out, if we could get the disposition out that says, I've always got to do my own thing and I've got to be the leader. Oh, I wish there'd be an anointing of an armor bearer that would say, yes, I'm with you. Let's go. Let's fight. Let's win. Let's reach. Let's worship. Let's pray. Let's rejoice for what God has done. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. We've got, we need the anointing of the armor bearer. We need a yes in our spirit. There is a perverse spirit that lingers about. There is a perverse spirit that makes its way into the churches. There is a perverse spirit. It's human nature. We're calling it a perverse spirit, but I I don't think that everything, I, I know that hell fights us with everything it has. I know that there are demons. I know that we're encountering things, encountering things in the spiritual. But, but not everything that we fight in the church and in the spiritual dynamic is because of the demons from hell. Sometimes it's just our old flesh having a contrary nature. They come, and the Bible says there was a boy that was possessed with the devils in Luke chapter 41, and, and, and they're trying to cast him out, and they can't cast him out. And so they bring him to Jesus. And in Luke 9 and 41, here's what Jesus said. They said, Lord, we've been trying to cast this devil out, but we can't cast him out. Let's go there. Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. And here he is. And it came to pass, 37, the next day when there were much people come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look thou upon my son, for he is mine only child, and lo, a spirit taketh him. And he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him, that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out. What did he say? And they could not. 
This is the prime of Jesus' ministry. This is the same group of people that he's going to send two by two. In a few chapters, he's going to send them two by two in the cities to go and do this work. But this man said, Lord, I was coming, and I love the faith. He said, I brought him to your disciples. He understood that I don't even have to bring him to you. I can just bring him to your people. Here's a man with a need, a problem, a situation, and he understands, I can just bring him to Jesus' people, and they can take care of the situation. I wonder how many times people have showed up at church looking for churches to take care of problems, but then they're left to say the same thing, and they could not. In verse 41, what does Jesus say? He said, Jesus answering said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation or contrary generation. How long shall I be with you and suffer you? And he says, bring your son hither. And he goes on and he heals that man. But when he calls out, disciples can't do it. The Lord says, you're faithless and you're perverse. You're contrary there was a contrary spirit. Well, well, what was contrary about the disciples? Well, for one, every time we see them, we see them fighting over who gets to sit next to Jesus. Oh, nobody's going to help me preach on Wednesday night here tonight. They're fighting over who gets to sit next to him, even at his death. <laughs> One of the moms shows up and says, hey, now, now, I, I, know, I, I know you said you got to go, and I know you love all people, but my boys have been the best, haven't they? Let, let them sit next to you and trying to position. And he says, contrary, your contrary spirit, he said, is what's kept you from being able to perform the work. Wow. Think about that. Think about that. I do not want to have a contrary spirit. Because here we see that you can be in ministry and still have a perverse spirit. Let there be a yes in your spirit. A yes in my spirit. We were hiking, and I'll come to the close as they come back to music. We were hiking, and of course, we were trying to hike a lot, and, and our son didn't want to hike as much as we wanted to hike. And so he'd get out of the car, I don't want to go hiking, it's just more rocks. <laughs> Which is true, he did have a point. Miles and miles and states and states of rocks, canyons and we're hiking, and he, the whole way, he'd start out, I can't do it. I'm so tired. And then we'd stop to take a break, and he'd immediately start climbing the cliff wall. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what happened to this tired, no energy in your legs? And we're walking down the path, and the path is the easy process. We're doing a lot of miles. This is the easy process. But instead of taking the easy path, he always has to take the hard way. He has to scramble up the rocks and go down over here. And five-year-olds, we passed another, we passed another family. They had kids, and all their kids were taking the hard way too. And 
As parents, we were like, why do kids have to take the hard way? If they would just walk the normal path, they would know we're going to get to a place where we can climb and you're going to get, you're not going to lose all your energy. And that's why he was worn out. And that's why I had to carry him on my back half of the time we were hiking. <laughs> not as little as he used to be. When we had a backpack carrier and it was nice. And, but kids always have to take the hard way. But we're really not unlike children. Sometimes that path is right there before us. And man, it's so easy if you just say yes. But we just got a little contrariness in our heart, don't we? Get a little, I'm going to do it the hard way. And then we whine when we run out of energy. God, I don't know why I'm so tired. I don't know why I don't have any joy. I don't know why I don't have any peace. Well, Andrew, maybe it's because you're being a little bit more difficult. That contrary spirit, you know what I'm talking about go through life and we live in this world man sometimes it's hard you go through life and you're working and it's all this stuff and you come to church and you just well I made it to church tonight you walk in almost like somebody owes you something like in the sense that well I'm here aren't I it's good enough look at what I've done you know what I had to get through to get here you ought to thank me for being here you ought to think I'm doing good pat me on the back isn't that how we are sometimes? Is human nature just being real? I'm here. I made it. I love God. I give. I'm doing my own thing. And if we're not careful, little contrary things can get into our spirit. The worship leader or the preacher or somebody can say, hey, let's all lift our hands. Uh-oh, you ever been there? I don't want to lift my hands. I can love God without lifting my hands. I'm saved. I don't have to lift my hands. And we go through all these rationales in our mind. I don't need to go pray more. I've already prayed. You know what I'm talking about? Those little things that get into that little contrary. Oh, if we could just get a yes in our spirit. Whew. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Yes, let's lift our hands. Yes. Let's, you come, man. It's not about whether or not you have the energy anymore and all that stuff, but it's not even about how it plays out in practice. It's about what's in your heart, that willingness, that desire. Lord, take a contrary spirit out of me. If you have a contrary heart and a contrary spirit, you will be led astray. Because he warns us in the book of Acts chapter number 20, he says, beware. He said 20 and 29, for I know this, Acts chapter 20 and 29, verse 29 and 30. For I know this, that after my departing, the apostle says, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Look at what he says in verse 30. And also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. You know what he was saying? He said, there's going to be people within the church that are going to rise up. This is literally what Paul is saying. They're going to rise up within the church and say, you know what? 
you know what apostle said? You know what pastor said? Yeah, you don't really have to do all of that. Be careful when you allow a contrary spirit to affect your convictions, your answer to instructions, your answer to the call of God on your life, because you can justify why ultimately your life is not in submission to the things that God has. But let there be a yes in your spirit. So this is something that I believe firmly with all of my heart as you stand together with me can transform your spirit. It can transform your behavior. It can transform your life. When we get a yes, a yes in our spirit. Somebody say yes. There's something liberating about saying yes to the things of God. Yes to the things that the Lord has you. Get behind the vision and the purpose of the church. Don't fight it. Get a yes in your spirit. I'm going to tell you, when you get a yes in your spirit, there is a blessing that begins to flow. It flows down into your family, flows into your home, flows into your children's life. When you get a yes in your spirit, don't let your spouse or your children or your relatives catch you being contrary to the things of God. But let there be a yes in your spirit. Now, does that mean that we're not going to make mistakes and we're not going to have bad days and we're not going to have times? No, absolutely. That's 100%. You're human. I'm human. We're still going to feel that. But when you notice it, when you catch it, you just pray quick. Jesus, help me. God, I don't want that. I want to, I want to say yes. Yes, it is right. It is right. Yes. You know, I don't feel like lifting my hands, but I'm going to lift my hands. You know, I don't feel like going to church, but I'm going to go to church because I got a yes in my spirit. Now, buying into what God has, would you lift your hands with me all across this place, Lord? God, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for your spirit. And I pray tonight, God, that there would be a transformation that could take place tonight right here in this altar, in this house, for those in this place, those that are watching online. I pray, God, that we would purge ourselves of the contrary ways of our nature that we would get a yes in our spirit to be quick to say yes, quick to say yes to your will and your way. Hallelujah, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that there would be a point of growth, God, Lord, not only within our own person, not only with individuals, but within families, God. Let there be a yes in our spirit. Let there be a yes in our homes to the things of God. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost here tonight. Let there be a yes, God. Somebody, God is calling somebody. Come on, Gab. God may have spoken a specific ministry, amen, to you. you got to get a yes in your spirit today. Come on, can we open these altars here tonight? Can we open up the altars? Can you join me at an altar? Come on, can you lay down your flesh, your contrary, our human being? Can we lay that down tonight, Lord? In Jesus' name, God, put a yes in my spirit. Let me buy into your vision. Let me be quick to say yes to your purpose and your dreams, God. Yes to your ministry. Yes to your calling. Yes to the conviction that you speak in my life. Yes to the correction, God. 
yes to every rebuke, yes to every instruction, yes to every word, God, I pray in the name of the Lord. Baptize us with the anointing of the armor bearer. In the name of Jesus Christ, baptize us with the anointing of the armor bearer. Oh, God, in your name, in your name, Lord. God, Lord, let us walk in agreement with your spirit and with your body. In the name of the Lord, it may not be our vision, it may not be our calling, but God, let us say yes. God, let us buy it. Let us, let us commit, God, in the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, 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 Lord. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, yes, Lord.
Lord tonight. Come on, can you thank him tonight for loving us? God, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost tonight in this house. And I feel like somebody could be changed if we'll just learn to identify the difference between the contrary spirit and the yes spirit, yes spirit. We don't want to fight one. I don't even want to fight within the church in the body of Christ. God's been dealing with me on this so strong. Now we're a part, we're a part of a body of Christ. The body of Christ is bigger than any church, it's bigger than any organization. It's global, it's worldwide. And within fellowship, sometimes there's decisions and, and pathways and things that are happening, and people do things, and sometimes it's not always the best. And you have disagreements and things like that. I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm thankful to be a part of the body of Christ. Within the body of Christ, I am a affiliated, I'm a member of the United Pentecostal Church International. I don't agree with everything that the United Pentecostal Church International always does, or everything that every person in the church, definitely in that organization, does. But I don't want to walk in a contrary spirit. I've got to have a yes in my spirit, because it's God's church and God's going to take care of certain things. We can, we can be in disagreement over certain issues and still have a yes spirit. But we can be in disagreement and have a contrary spirit. And then, would you believe this? You can even be in agreement and have a contrary spirit. I've done it. Thank you. Thank you for being honest enough. I've done it. And there is nothing that'll stifle growth any quicker than a contrary spirit. So wherever you serve, wherever you find yourself, wherever God brings you, just get a yes in your spirit, in your home, in your home life, in your church, wherever it's at. You may not agree with every event or everything that this local church does, but you can still have a yes spirit. And I'm going to tell you, it's a powerful thing when you'll have a yes spirit. They may have a... I don't know, a ladies' event or a men's event somewhere at some restaurant, you don't even like the restaurant. And you can have a yes spirit and say, you know what, for the sake of this, I'm going to have a yes spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Not being contrary over everything. Well, they serve coffee at church. I don't even like coffee. Bless God. Well, you don't have to drink the coffee. But just be happy for the people that do drink coffee. Have a yes in your spirit. It's prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Well, I think we ought to pray every day, not just once a week. All right, but just have a yes in your spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Just get a yes. And if you will, it will liberate your mind. You won't have to worry about everybody else when you get a yes spirit. You don't have to worry about whether or not you like it. Or just have a yes in your spirit and watch what God can do. It'll change your life. God, I pray your blessing upon every home, every household, every individual that's represented here tonight. I pray your anointing continue to move upon them. I thank God for every commitment, every heart, every life that is represented here tonight. 
God, that represents a world of revival. And I pray your blessing upon them. I pray in the name of the Lord that the peace of God would be with them, the joy of the Lord. Go before them. Go into their tomorrow. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And we give you all the glory and all the praise because it is you alone that we serve. And it is your kingdom, God, that we seek to build. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Somebody say yes. yes. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. In Jesus' name, pray for our junior quizzers as they go to the competitions this weekend, our hyphen camp as well. And we'll see you all Sunday morning, Lord willing. God bless in Jesus' name.